0: hello and welcome back to the comic books matter podcast i'm your host jesse and with me today is a fantastic guest he is a writer for panel x panel and it's for arc uh, beetle press he just published a book of essays called one must imagine scot-free happy and when he dies he'd like to be buried in the source wall it's uh sean dylan
1: hello doing? i'm doing well oh so, i um, starting uh been spending the summer doing a teacher certificate program and i've been Basically on the verge of a nervous breakdown, to be blunt.
0: I feel like everybody I know uh, who pays attention to anything important is on that brink of that nervous breakdown this year.
1: Well, I had to write about Judge Dredd on Wednesday, so...
0: Uh, As much as I know about Judge Dredd, there's a I think about a a huge stack of things I don't know about Judge Dredd. So I don't know what the level of uh, iffy stuff is in there. Well,
1: it's it's not so much iffy stuff as it's very much a book about the police,
0: oh yeah, and yeah,
1: specifically fair. the American police. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. If the and if the movie has anything to tell me about it, I, I feel like it, that that's that's a rough one to write about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually started writing it on Wednesday, so that's yeah. Oh
0: boy. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I want to thank you for being on. I know it is kind of out of the blue after I finished reading your book. I was like, oh, Sean would be perfect to talk about comics and why they matter because the the entire book is just essays about why this book matters to you in a lot of ways. Um, and and, and right, the right. deconstruction of twelve issues is it's one of those things where I when I started this podcast I was going to write stuff to coincide with it, and when I tried to start writing about um, and it, maybe it was too much because i was going to try to write about the entire run of tom king's batman in one post maybe that was the bad idea
1: Uh,
0: yeah
1: uh, yeah like uh, yeah i could yeah i had some difficulties writing about just three issues of that run yeah and it's very it's an interesting run i'd probably say it's among king's weaker works but it's certainly an interesting work
0: yeah and with uh my history with the character and then the the topics touched upon for most of that story um um but the, talking about tom king's batman it, it is a character um that we i have video proof now that my uh at one years old at my birthday i was just dressed up as batman so from some age some connection batman was there And so to read Tom King's Batman, who was a way more vulnerable Batman, in a lot of ways than um, the last few previous iterations were, uh, it hit me at the right time. And so I really wanted to expand upon that, but the words just never came. So to read your book about Scott Free and Mr. Miracle as a series, it's like, these are the words I wish I could have written. And so I'm so glad that you wrote them and I can talk to you about them now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Batman. If I'm being honest, isn't a character that I, you know, I, I have some skepticism towards the guy. I, but at the same time, I'm also working on. A, I'm a staff writer on a podcast series about out Batman, so I have to have some fondness of the character, and I do. I he was one of the first characters I actually read growing up. Uh, I grew up on the Tim Burton movies, but but if I'm being honest, I
0: Probably watch the Joel Schumacher ones more often than the Tim Burton ones. Yeah, I think my parents were at the time growing up. They took me to see the first Schumacher movie when I was just a baby. But like those are the ones that they they let me watch the most because they were the lighter toned ones overall. Even though rewatching them recently as an adult, they're not very light toned.
1: Yeah i haven't seen i don't think i've watched any of the 90s and 80s batman movies since i was a kid and maybe high school mm-hmm. uh, i keep feeling like i should revisit them at some point
0: i i think um especially like in your mid-20s uh just once you're out of that dumb dumb brain phase in a lot of ways mm-hmm. it's good to revisit them because revisiting them this year with the friends for the first time they never seen them so i was seeing their experience and then i was examining them there's a lot of really cool stuff that Burton was trying to do in those movies and then some stuff that just didn't work but for the most part it was it was pretty impressive to see the kind of messaging he was trying to push back then yeah, yeah. um so sean where, where did you where did you, where'd your comic book history start though growing up
1: my comic book history started with the simpsons i well as a kid i'd go to the supermarket i i was a huge fan of the simpsons growing up since five years old i have distinct memories of watching in, in one of the crisp one of the winter episodes of The Simpsons while at my grandfather's house when I was five years old old and then and I pretty much I my brother and I would watch them every Sunday night whenever they were whenever new episodes were on on we'd watch them after dinner when the reruns were on on Fox Fox back when they did that. I'm not sure if they still do that. And they may have stopped doing that. Uh, yeah, I always look forward to the Halloween episodes. It was that would air air basically all month long. On uh, Then there was also, um, and at the supermarket, back when comics were sold at supermarkets, they'd have this whole area full of comics. And I'd immediately gravitate towards the Simpsons comics. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I think my first comic was... An issue of treehouse of horror written by rob zombie alice cooper and i i think i think jim booth i don't know remember i know gene simmons also wrote for that issue but i know there was a fourth one who wasn't quite like the others
0: hearing hearing that list of writers i feel like there's only one person on that that probably isn't a good writer and that's probably gene simmons
1: yeah that's true
0: uh, I feel like Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie tend to have the idea of writing at least somewhat down with their uh, pushes for concept albums and Rob Zombie's directing and stuff.
1: Yeah, Rob Zombie's films are There's something. I, yeah, I'm fascinated by them. Like, I, 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 I'll I, go a bat for Halloween 2. And probably some of, of his other, and probably Lords of Salem as well. Not sure how I feel about 31 or a or, um, or the 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 new one he did um
0: three uh, from hell yeah yeah that's like the sequel to uh, what was the other one um uh
1: devil's rejects devil's rejects yeah 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 he
0: he's, he is just as a person alone he's super interesting to me i don't know how much about his content that was super interesting to me <laughs> yeah
1: neither do i i but yeah i've seen a couple of his films and i have found them interesting uh after you know as i grew up though i started to get into superhero comics uh among the earliest of which was there was when the new york new york times did this sort of special where if you buy an issue of their magazine they would give you a copy of the early dicko spider-man comics oh nice comics. yeah and yeah you know, this was as a promotion for the for the movie i think i think it was the first spider-man movie with uh Maguire mcguire and willem dafoe mm-hmm. oh and and the one that drew me in the most wasn't one of the ones with his famous rogues gallery. It was actually the second issue where he he's literally fighting aliens. Like, Spider-Man is fighting a bunch of yellow-skinned aliens. That, that just – I know now is probably – it was probably a holdover from the early comics era where they had all those sci-fi stories about, about men finding out that aliens are among us, us but that – that one just blew my mind about the possibilities that Spider-Man could be capable of. Uh, not just not just some kid id-fighting crooks, but he could... A Spider-Man story could be about anything, essentially.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it's kind of silly when when you first think about it, because like, Spider-Man's such a down-to-earth hero. I mean, he's super-powered, of course, but he's the, he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's, right, he's, right. The, he's the hero of New York. Um, and so to, to see that cover as a kid would probably be super-shocking. Um... I remember my first issue of Spider-Man. It's the first comic book I bought in the comic store too. It was, uh, I want to say it was issue 24 of Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. And, it, and it was just an issue of Peter trying to stop the Rhino. And he couldn't, He, everybody kept on stopping him. And then by the time he got there, Iron Man already stopped the Rhino. He's like, you're a terrible superhero. And I'm like, man, these comics are pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man was also early stuff though. I, I, and yeah, when I was getting older and started actually reading the comics as opposed to just flipping through the images, uh, the the hardcover trade of the Mark from the Ultimate Spider-Man run mm-hmm. was one of the first three comics I ever read. The other two were Neil Gaiman and Adam Kubert's uh, Marvel 1602, which which I still have on my bookshelf, and it's a it's a fine comic. Not yeah, the, I enjoy not that the, one. Yeah, not the best comic, not the best thing Neil Gaiman ever did, or even Andy Kubert not the worst, though, like, yeah, uh, then there was also uh, an Elseworlds comic called Batman Detective Number 27, which the essential pitch of it is, what if Batman never saw the bat come through his window?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What if he was interrupted and became more of a pulp hero? Mm-hmm. So he's basically he, he waging a war with a secret society of detectives against the Ku Klux Klan. And though I think they go by, they use a different name than the clan because, as um, yeah, the, the clan was largely a poorer racist rather than the wealthy ones. I think it was might've been the Golden Dawn. I don't remember the exact name, name, and up, uh, and at the end of the comic, it's revealed that the big villain is in fact Thomas
0: Wayne. Dun dun dun. Uh, so what Tommy is, Grant Morrison is a hack and is stealing from all the old books.
1: I mean, ever. I mean, to be completely <laughs> honest, everyone's been stealing from the older. Oh others.
0: yeah, uh, there's no there's uh, there's no writer today I think that doesn't take from something. Yep. Especially in comics.
1: It's, yeah, it's just a question of how you take from it. You know, like a, uh, the obvious comparison one could go for would be the Alan Moore raccoon metaphor. Where, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where, where uh, the difference between where up. Uh, Al Moore takes the Gardner Fox, Fox, Abin Sur story of a man who, who is flying a spaceship crashes on Earth and gives his ring to Hal Jordan and turns it into a tragedy about, about paranoia, uh, and paranoia and letting your fear consume you even though you are told an obvious lie, whereas Jeff Johns takes it and turns it into a zombie apocalypse story.
0: Mm-hmm or uh you take the concept of there being uh multiple bad guys with the same name and you just don't call them uh corporations you just call them three jokers um but <laughs> I think we yeah. could we could dive into uh, a lot of the johnsisms but even then like going back to the early books like he was uh, with bendis he was one of the early pe- people I read because um a lot of the early jeff john stuff I feel like was led to pushed towards kids overall like yeah. the, the the teen titans books i remember reading that in um I want to say it's issue three where uh impulse turns around the corner and there's just slade with a shotgun and blows off his kneecap and you're like oh <laughs> this is what comics can be
1: yeah uh, jo- I, I actually haven't read the teen titans run yet, though I did, though Mike John's experience was mostly through his Green Lantern run yeah. and, and specifically the Sinestro Core War. Mm-hmm. I did read Eid Rebirth, but that was more of a skim through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I revisited that actually recently and Oh, God, it does not hold up.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm always scared to go back and reread a lot of those uh, those yeah. older books from that era just because I feel like the writers at the time are writing for the moment and not for the long run if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: It's hard to write for the long run because yeah. you pretty much, you're all like a, Grant Morrison literally said in an interview that he only writes for the moment. Mm-hmm. He's always writing as an unfinished product. He's never get, it's there's always something that could be improved upon in his work.
0: Yeah. And, and, but I also think there's a mindset when it comes to writing. And I think, I don't know if Grant would admit to it, but I think he also has it too, where he's not writing to appease anyone but himself. That's
1: plausible. I can and, see
0: that. and, I, and I think that's like the reason a lot of Alan, Alan Moore stuff. And uh, just like the, the writers who those, like the, the works definitely have issues now um have survived overall i think because they were really writing because they're like these are the stories i want to read myself personally and i'm the only one that can write them so i'm writing them versus i'm writing for the general populace right now in this very moment
1: yeah that yeah
0: i I feel like a lot especially with grant's batman run it comes down to grant just really wanted to do something wild and i think that's the reason his batman run holds up overall
1: yeah, I think his Batman run and Tom King's are honestly the only two runs that have have held me throughout the whole thing. Like, I re- I like Scott Snyder's run. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of it just yeah you know, like, uh, some I pretty much just dropped out when after End Endgame and never looked at Eternal or either of the Eternal series. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. just I just yeah you know, like, I felt like, like and yeah I like parts of it, but over as a whole, I you know, like I'd much rather read tom king's or grant morrison's um and then there are previous runs like one of the earlier comics i read was the greg Rucka batman run where bruce, yeah. wayne's, a, where bruce wayne's a murderer mm-hmm. and it just didn't hold me i couldn't i didn't want to read it and i pretty much returned it to the library and checked out black at glove instead
0: yeah and and um I think that also comes down to also um, per- personal taste always comes down to like what will hold up in a lot of people's minds. Um, Cause I think a lot of the, the people that still love the old John stuff, one, maybe haven't reread it <laughs> in recent times. yeah, um, But two, just love that era so much that everything on that era still reads perfectly to them. And yeah. I and I and I get that brain sometimes too when I'm reading stuff that I love because I'm looking at my shelf oh, right yeah. now and I see tons of stuff from that era that I go back and I read pretty regularly.
1: Yeah. Whereas my shelf is you know, like a mix of old stuff and new stuff. Um. Uh, some stuff I've had you know, like uh, some stuff I kind of don't want to have on my shelf. Other stuff I'm very pleased to have on my shelf. Alpha. Uh, yeah. I pretty much. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for the plague, I'd probably have sold a lot of the books books are in the comics i currently own mm-hmm. i have a i have a lot of Warren Ellis comics
0: yeah i mean honestly i was there was a there was a good chunk where i was just picking up everything he was doing for a moment
1: yeah and,
0: like my, my my biggest two books right now that i'm like oh i need to stop getting these right away were batman's grave and uh, middleman and I'm like I'm in the middle of both of these though and like the the the, part, the collector in me is like don't stop your run in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, it's it's a, a sucky thing on a, such a small scale compared to the sucky sucky things that the people involved did.
1: Yeah. Oof
0: so like and, that, and that's what it comes down to is like it's not worth giving more money to them because they did these things and, yeah, and like I, especially with the the artists and the writers they already are paid but i want to show that i'm not willing to fund it more yeah that's
1: that's reasonable uh, pretty much uh with, when it comes to that sort of subject it uh you know like sexual assault uh, i think it's mostly just i bring this up in the book up uh, uh the the thing that'll pretty much just kill me from ever reading or watching or whatever, or your work is if you're a rapist, if you, if you rape someone, then I'm done with you until you're either in prison
0: or dead. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And, um, and it, it's, it's just mind boggling. I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, cause it's just the way the world is which is sad, but it's mind boggling how much came out so fast.
1: Yeah. that, those were a rough couple of days. yeah, it, it was it was a
0: a week where I didn't want to talk about comics. yeah. um, so going from uh, those early Spider-Man issues, what what was the next step uh, in your reading comics? Uh,
1: my next step was probably Christmas somewhere in between middle school and high school. Well, when my aunt got me three comic books for Christmas uh a uh, Fallen Sun and Spider-Man the other, and a comic that has inexplicably defined a lot of things I like, Spider-Man Rain. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird... Co- it's it's a very weird comic, it, it, and highly derisive for a number of reasons, not the least of which being in a plot point involving Spider-Man's sperm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I know that plot point from that book, and that's about all I know from that book.
1: Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's actually kind of amazing. Uh, uh, what really impacted me about it wasn't so much reading the book the first or second time, but rather uh, uh, there was a website that was going that was on in like the twenty, late, tw- the early two thousands. It's called Fourth Layer. Uh, are you familiar with it? Mm-mm. Yeah, David Brothers did did stuff for them. Uh, uh, his one of it, and one of his articles on the site was a series of follow ups to The Dark Knight. okay Okay, uh sons of the dark knight and there was an entire article by him on spider-man rain for that series and it's it just blew my mind about what the story was about oh and i just reread and holy shit this comic is actually kind of amazing it's it's a story about spider-man and coming to terms with the with the death of his wife that he can fight a fascist government like
0: like so what is the exact plot of Spider Man? Because again, like I don't know the exact plot. I just knew, knew the meme of okay. that scene.
1: Okay, so, okay, so Pierre's wife, so Mary Jane Watson dies about out twenty years before the events of the story, and because of it, Pierre stops being Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the story begins, he's an old man who's, who's just who's who's just fired from his job as a florist and pretty much just about to be kicked out as his apartment, and he's old, broken, and done being Spider-Man. And, and then J. Joe Jameson comes to his door or and and pretty much tells him, you gotta be Spider-Man again, and Peter slams the door in his slams the door in his face. Uh, uh, Jameson leaves behind one of Peter's old cameras, which has, has a Spider-Man mask in it, and Peter just, while the police are basically beating up, up Jonah, uh, Peter he bursts out of his window and and beats the snot out of the police, and then punches out Jonah. Uh, uh, Jonah basically sp- tries to force Pierre to be the hero the city needs in order to stop up the whole fascism thing. And it's a sen- it's and there's a lot of things that go on in the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much straightforward, but it's also very interesting. It's i feel like every time I, I i feel like i'm bad at explaining comics to people well because then i just i just end up getting caught in the wrong things and and convolute and make it all make it sound more confusing than it actually is
0: but but i i think um it's, it's funny that you say you're bad at explaining because i think the, like anybody that picks up the, the book of essays like will, will want to read mr miracle afterwards but i think the thing about your description of the book for me at least is like I don't whenever I ask someone like what's this about? I don't want to know like the exact plot beats cuz I'll get that by reading the book. It's like what like what is what are the messages that it's trying to portray? It, okay, and I'm like it, what is it trying to get there?
1: Okay, in which case it's about it's about grief, it's about fascism, it's about about the three dars of hope. hope mm-hmm. and it's about fu- it's about fu- it's about being young when you're an old man. It's about out fighting against, against injustice. It's about out the yeah, it's about how it's about revolution. It's yeah, it's a story about out coming to terms with who you were and growing as a person and co- forgiving yourself for your guilt, guilt, and and going out swinging.
0: And so, um, with a with this this book in particular, is this the first time when you read it? Um, the fir- like back back when you got it, was it the first time you? what's the right way to say it? Like realize comics were trying to push a different message sometimes, or was that further uh, down the road?
1: That's still, that's a bit further down the road. Like I don't remember the exact moment that happened, but it's very, but I remember the, I remember beats of the story, but I don't remember what the exact moment was when I realized what comics could be. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm trying to remember what, uh, roughly around that same time I got into a, uh, uh, you know, like I read Transmetropolitan. I read Sandman. I read, I read Watchmen. And and I kind of had, I kind of had a long period where I just didn't like Alan Moore. Which I think I mostly blame on my i i reading Watchmen as a high school as a middle schooler, mm-hmm. because you know I was the kind of kid who would i I read Dante's Infer the entire Divine Comedy because as they made a video game about Dante's Inferno. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the kind of kid I was. Uh, so I pretty much read Watchmen because they were going to make a movie about it It I liked it but I liked it the way a middle school kid likes, likes mm-hmm. Watchmen so oh, I didn't fully get I don't think I fully got the comic that got my first reading I didn't even read the uh-huh. any pro sections of the comic
0: yeah I, I feel like with more too for, in my book when I first read Watchmen it was I want to say when I was in high school but it was still in the time of comics for me where I'm like after I was reading Watchmen it's like this is this is just too wordy for me <laughs> like this is yeah. like I don't know what he's trying to do but this is in the comic book there's nothing happening in this book yeah but yeah. now like I am slowly appreciating more and more um uh his his slight nuances with everything and what what he was trying to do and what I wish he actually could have done with his original pitch with that um if DC wasn't just too scared to lose characters for a bit <laughs>
1: yeah yeah the comic yeah i pretty much this is vowed more for, till basically the middle of college because i mix up being a spiteful grant morrison fan in high school yeah and also and also because of certain things he said about out his galawag apologia and then early college when i think i was about to warm up on alan moore or he did that last interview and it's just the transition from Galwag Apologia to Grant Morrison is perhaps the worst thing Alan Moore has ever written, and he should apologize for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and, and pretty much it wasn't until the middle of college that I came to terms with Alan Moore as a creator and began to actually like his works work again. That not, helped in no small part to the Mirror of Love, but that's a conversation that has nothing to do with
0: comics. And so um in in college then what what was this what was your would you have like your great awakening i feel like because to narrative comics in college or was it right before college
1: uh it was in high school up uh, the great awakening for i think the great awakening moment for me was actually reading a blog about comics up uh, i bring this up in the book up uh there was this there was a blog i was following at the time called all science as justice leak by andrew hickey and he was doing a series called An Incomprehensible Condition on Seven Soldiers, and his article on Mister Miracle, well, for that series, as well as the one he did for the book, book also called Science Justice League, he pretty much just blew my mind. I mean, with the capability of what you could do with the medium, just it was just this par- parallel. It was more about criticism. I think. Mm-hmm. I think my relationship between comics has always had twin. Been closer to been twinned with my relationship with criticism. Yeah, just it was just this paralleled article that barely talked about the comic, it, and just went back and forth between talking about out the science of black holes and the history of pop music in America, uh, and it just told and it just told you exactly what the comic was, it was and it just it was one of those amazing things that. I don't see that often, and I I try to emulate it at points in the in the book. Uh, sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. But we can talk about the book book later. And it basically gave me a direction to go for with comics. And when I actually read Seven Soldiers, it was just it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I I read over a course of a road trip down to Florida to visit my grandparents, and, and yeah, I just I just loved every moment of it.
0: And I think that is such a good, a good, good example of how criticism, um, or just examination. Because I, I don't know if you exactly call it criticism if it's not talking, pointing at negative points. But if it's just exam, if it's just breaking down a story, I feel like that's more of an examination of anything. Yeah. And I feel like criticism and examination essays and uh, and just blog posts are good for people who haven't even read the books or the titles that they're talking about because hearing how they compare and contrast to things in your real life or into other media that you might know might lead you to actually read it. And then when you do read it for the first time, you get just a mind blowing experience the first time instead of just kind of reading it. And it's kind of drab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so between there and the book, what was your first uh, like dabble into criticism? Because um, uh, I know you've been writing essays like this for a long time. Because you include some of the yeah. older ones in the book too. Yeah,
1: so- I pretty much started. I started out with you know like doing college assignments. I was taking an English. De- I was doing an English degree at the time, so I wrote two articles about comics. Uh, one was on. On Fight Club two, and contrasting it with the works of Grant Morrison, and that was a more problematic article than it w- was back then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for well, basically, two of the major figures are horrible people. Just, yeah, yeah. And the other was an article on From Hell, hell, both of which are on my blog if you want to find them. And um, uh, it's very much looking at From Hell from a psychogeography. Geographical and psycho chronographical perspective of uh, psychogeography is wandering is what a city looks like when you're just when you're wandering around through a logic that isn't just the landmarks it's like uh walking in new york through using a map of new jersey of uh, seattle or mm-hmm. walk or take or going through uh london based off of the locations that appear in uh Doctor Who episode, uh, From Hell actually has a very famous sequence of psychogeography where uh, uh, Jack the Ripper goes through London based off of uh, occult sites. Mm-hmm. Right? And psychocoronography is a concept I nicked from um, Dr. Elizabeth Sandifer where uh, you apply the logic of psychogeography to history. Like, what does history look like from the perspective of, of a television show or a or, uh, or a movie series or film in general. Like, what does history look like from the number one film on the box office? Is a project i threatened to do Ooh, from time to time. I'm up uh, <clears throat> uh, The second, I actually, when I graduated college, I needed something to do because, well, I was, co- I didn't have a job uh, that I was expecting to get when I got out of college. So I needed to have something to do to pass time. Um, so I began working on a blog project. Uh, uh, my first blog project was as a uh, fearful symmetry which looked at Jamie D Mateus and Mike Zek's Craven's Last Hunt mm-hmm. and from the and I took a sego chronographic perspective on it and looked at from how was it was 1987 look like those two months that the issues of Craven's Last Hunt came out in or at the very least had their calendar dates on and looked like from the perspective of Craven's Last Hunt. So you have, have uh, you have, for example, you have uh, St- you have Stephen King. You have, have Prince of Darkness. This uh, there was a episode of The Simpsons back when it was when it was just shorts. Mm-hmm. shorts. You have uh, some albums. Um, so I'm I'm blanking on all the names of the stuff that I covered. Uh, yeah, like I just looked at Craven's Last Hunt through the lens ends of that period, both contextualizing the text that I contrasted Craven's Last Hunt with with those takes. And by yeah. the end, I did this massive post, that, post on Craven's Last Hunt that I was initially planning on doing in Twine, lines as sort of a choose-your-own-adventure or rhizmodic reading of Craven's Last Hunt, where you could read each chapter in a order. But due to time constraints, I wasn't able to pull that off. And
0: yeah, the, I- and- the idea of examining that book though, through such a wide lens of like the months and that year that it came out is such a fascinating concept though to me.
1: Yeah, it yeah, I feel like it was it's honestly a bit weak in retrospect. Like I was very much starring out. Uh at the same time, I'm Hassan el Ella who was starring his magazine Panel X panel, and I decided to send some reviews uh out there uh, my first was on a web comic called uh, rock and roll which was basically this sort of yeah you know, it was it was a bunch of kit it was this i'm trying to describe it uh it was a story of it was basically a 50s story about queer kids mm-hmm. it's discovering themselves elves and being and you know, b- biker gangs and and uh prep gangs and all that uh, through the lens of queerness and then there was, uh, I I'm trying to remember if there was another one before. Um, no, I think on oh, was I'm trying to remember if if there was a, narrow review I sent before I started sending out the Mr. Miracle ones. Uh, like I just, all arc, I just I was reading Mr. Miracle late at night. I I basically in the hopes that I'd get something up, of writing, and it pretty much just. I didn't think that. It, I just really liked the first issue, mm-hmm. and I thought, "Hey, maybe I could get a series of articles out of this." So I just did this weird structural trick where I repeat the phrase "Why shouldn't I commit suicide?" over and over throughout the article. Yeah. Oh, and just as sort of a replacement for "Dark Side Is," Yanka. You know, like that's the metaphor. It's just this repeating question in, in your brain of, why shouldn't I commit suicide? Why shouldn't I do it? Why shouldn't I do it? That was partially autobiographical, partially not. And just writing about that series is just, yeah, I just got a lot of practice. Uh, a lot of the earlier articles aren't that great in that series, mm-hmm. these of articles, but I developed as a crick. I Start, I started getting more and more confident in myself and started writing full on articles for Panel X Panel.
0: And uh, reading those article, the, the, the original reviews in the back of the book, um, I think the concept of you repeating the, the phrase, why, why shouldn't I commit suicide, is such a good um, reverse on The Dark Side is from Mr. Miracle. Um, from at least my my critical viewpoint of it all, is dark side is to Scott is the impending weight of just everything on him that leads him to trying to commit suicide in that first issue. And so, yeah. you're you're asking the question, and he's giving the answer at every issue.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> for it's himself at invas- least. Yeah, it's an invasive thought. He, it's yeah, I pretty much talk about it's an invasive thought where. It just won't leave him. him. No matter how hard you try to get rid of the thought, it will always pop up. up you.
0: So when you get to Mr. Miracle, you're writing the reviews for every issue. What is the catalyst then to start writing the essays for the book?
1: Well, pretty much I, I came up with the idea of doing it as a book while I was doing the articles. You know, okay. I thought I was just going to do this as a – like a blog series yeah like if it doesn't get it picked up by haas i do this as a blog see i post the articles as a series of blog essays days like i did with uh fearful symmetry but uh i i was i was also while i was working on this and and fearful symmetry i was also working writing a novel which i'm currently serializing the most recent draft of of and just and it's yeah, you know, it's it's a fiction story about out uh, uh the death of the last city. It's called uh The Tower Through the Trees. Mm-hmm. It's a solar punk novel about the death of the last city. And I just I really like the process of writing a novel, so I fig so I came yeah, I guess so I figured so as I was so and I was also liking what I was doing with the Mr. Miracle stuff. I was just expanding the ideas. I think I think by I think when I hit issue six, I realized that I could get a book out of this, as opposed to just a series of blog posts. So I just, so I started outlining it as a book, what that would look like, like and and I pretty much and by the time yeah you know, I pretty much just picked twelve themes from the, the series and tried to parallel them to the yeah uh, issues of the yeah you know, parallel the issues.
0: I think I lost your audio there for a second.
1: Sorry. Uh, wh- okay. Where was I when you started?
0: Um. Uh. You were trying to pair the uh, essays to the, to the outlet to the issues. That's where it was.
1: Right. I was pairing the out essays to each of the essays to a different issue of the book. So like like uh issue A to- A. I think it is the the one where it goes back and forth between New Genesis and and uh and Earth. So I think you're right. Art, yeah apocalypse to end earth i think actually you know i think about it uh and it's just it's this parallels thing structure so i also do this with the article where i have two different essays parallel each other
0: mm-hmm.
1: or a, in the original version in the finally in a final period version it was just the one that focuses on the article because that works better as a blog post than as a art than as a review for panel x panel Oh, which fair, fair enough.
0: Yeah, um, so my my thing when it came down to reading the book and reading the subject material that you pulled from your life, but also pulled from um, other literature and other media. How much how much research do you think went into every, like the entire book overall?
1: Well, I was researching while I was writing, so about
0: six months. That's. It's, that's more research than I ever think I could do for anything. <laughs> yeah, like like I think for some
1: depending on the chapter, it would take from one week one to three weeks to write an entire chapter.
0: And when it came to the research for how did that process kind of look? Did you just know what kind of books you were looking for or what kind of subjects you were gonna go for, or were you just, just deep in a pile of just media, just trying to find something that worked for what you wanted? Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, what I did was I picked out, out 12 themes from the book, like 12 things I noticed that were very important to the book, like uh, uh, superheroes and the relationship. Superheroes and, and the you – know, okay, some of them were generic themes, like like superheroes, whereas others were specific themes to the book, like uh, suicide or, or uh, the Emmy or the like. like Again, I just put them out into an outline. and then i picked texts that were very similar to those books books like uh, themes like uh uh, simulations got solaris and also oh grant morrison's doom patrol Mm. Uh, uh, i also had to look up up the yeah the simulationist theories which are frankly complete in our bunk as i talk about at length uh Others were yeah you know, some some of them were up on the fly like the original idea I was gonna do for the Spec Ops line chapter instead of, of what I ended up doing was I was gonna look at it from the perspective of of Scott Free's PTSD.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like a both texts are about PTSD, both Mr. Miracle and Spec Ops line. Uh, I should probably note that 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 two of, that twelve of the chapters were the magic interest of the texts, whereas the other twelve chapters were, or uh, inter- texts I felt would be interesting to parallel with Mister Miracle. Not necessarily influences on Mister Miracle, but interesting c- contrasts. Yes, and Spec Ops line was supposed to be the contrast of how they dealt with the mental illness. And then I w- I had a conversation with someone on on Twitter uh, about the uh, about various things that the cia has done and i offhandedly mention in what a cia agent is writing for batman and then i pause and go oh my god i'm gonna have to write about this aren't i
0: (laughs) and it's it's super great but but also weird timing that we are recording an episode about mr miracle in the fourth world on jack kirby's birthday yeah um uh but uh what what if like how much of the original fourth world stuff was, uh, was was read during this time and how many times did you read through it all? Uh, I read through I basically read uh, I read the, the original
1: fourth world stuff in high school. Uh, my library had a very broken down copy of it. it. so I had to I had to buy the omnibus edition. In. Uh, I read through the entire thing once beforehand and then revisited various chapters that are very important to Mr. Miracle all over the course of reading it. Like, I, re-read the, I reread the Pact multiple times. Uh, mm. Young Scott Free was very important, especially since it's, uh, Tom King literally ha- has that art in the final issue of, of Mr. Miracle. All
0: yeah, up, and and up a industry. lot of your a lot of your essays compare uh, talk about the pact and like the 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 what's, what's the word for it the the level of intensity that the pact it has on Tom King's Mister Miracle because I I think like. I mean, Mister Miracle as a character kind of relies on that, but like yeah, his very his, much... his mini series or his maxi series relies heavily on that, though I feel. like. Yeah, it's very much it's very it's at
1: once a defining moment of Scott Free and also a moment that he is completely absent from. He's mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he's not a he's very much it's not not something that's important to the sto- to Jack Kirby's Mister Miracle at all. Like he, the, you don't need to read. Need the pack to understand Mister Miracle. You just need to know that Scott Free escaped from um, um, apocalypse, and and very much and something that I noticed while re the New Gods is that Scott Free kind of got kicked out of the narrative by the end, uh, maybe because he was the most popular character and DC wanted to keep his ha- keep Jack Kirby from killing him off in the Hungry Dogs. Dogs, but it's very much a story where he's kicked out of the narrative. It feels. Like reading it as a story without the background knowledge, which I mm-hmm. did have, but I was I was very much reading it from the perspective of what does this story look like from Scott Free's perspective? Yeah. If like, like, uh, I feel like I at points in the analysis I ca- I feel like I kind of got tunnel visioned by that at thinking because well, re reading Mister Miracle for another project that I'm doing and end up me appreciating the character of Lightray a bit more i yeah. pretty much yeah you know, like you know, it's mr miracle is very much a first person subjective story with an unreliable narrator or up uh, uh, and overall with pretty much three exceptions light ray isn't that much of a douchebag like i
0: he, he he's um I guess he's quote unquote the good soldier in a lot of ways where he's just trying to follow the order of Orion, but he's also trying not to get beat up every time he talks to Scott.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just that Barda doesn't like him. Yeah. And we like Barda more than we like light Ray. And well, if you're, I mean, if you're going to choose between light Ray or big Barda, you're picking big Barda.
0: Yeah. And if you're choosing Uh, light Ray, we're going to ask you what's wrong with you.
1: Yeah. Light, he, but he's not that bad of a person. I mean, no. three moments aside, I he you know he's very much just a, he's he's slightly likable. He's mm-hmm. yeah you know, he very much he's very much he has his own air life that uh, you only get glimpses of because he's not that close to Scott Free. He's very close to Araya. If it was the story told by yeah you know, if if we were to see the events of Mr. Miracle told from light race perspective, it'd probably be the story of a guy trying to come to terms with the death of someone he loved dearly. and having to deal with this, this miserable loser of a guy who, who keeps acting like he's his friend when he, he blatantly is, is just terrible. This miserable loser who can't, can't do anything right. And just, keeps making things worse while all saying i'm sorry i'm sorry for things being this bad look mm-hmm. everything's good okay and it's just it's, you're kind of an, you kind of simp you can sympathize with him yeah and, uh, like the three of course those three moments are very much there like like up uh, i think i think when uh Barda beats him up for the first time, he, and he calls her a bitch. I think that's going a bit too far. But the other two require you to ask uncomfortable questions about out out the new gods of New Genesis and their relationship with the bugs and parademons. Like, mm-hmm. like how, like, there's a lot of yikes about how bugs and parademons are treated in Jack Kirby's run.
0: And it makes me. It makes me want this, but I don't think anybody uh, has the ca- ca- in modern comics right now has the capacity of writing this. Which is, can we get a line of New Gods comics that understands what Jack Kirby was trying to do, but put it in under a microscope in such a way that, like, yeah, Mister the- Miracle does it in a hyper focused way on one character and then the characters that interact with him, but to have a whole comic around the world of it.
1: Yeah, I think the problem with doing that is, well, you pretty much have to deal with the metaphor of the new gods, Mm -hmm. and by doing that, and by doing that, you pretty much have to admit that the hippie generation not only lost, but end up fucking us in horrible, awful ways.
0: Yeah, and uh, and I think uh, another roadblock in a lot of that too is it's not finished. So, like the end game of what he was probably going for. Isn't fully known. I feel like, and that would,
1: yeah, and I mean, the that would put a hindrance
0: who, on any kind of analysis of it in another way.
1: And the people who would fully know it would probably not do that sort of project. Like, I think the thing that I really want is for a person of color to, to do something with the bugs. You know, like a, mm-hmm. a uh, shoot, uh, N.K. Jemison or I'm um, uh, I'm 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 blinking on names. I have I literally wrote this down at one point. Up uh, uh, N.K. Jemison or or roxanne gay or ava mm-hmm. duvernay doing something with doing a whole storyline i uh, focusing on the bugs up ava duvernay being announced to be either person behind the new god's uh, movie is actually what got me more excited about the film than tom king being announced for it
0: yeah because not only is ava just a spectacular visual storyteller but the 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 scope and lens that she will look at that story will be much, much different. And I think better than any, anybody else could really do.
1: Yeah. It's very, yeah. You watch a wrinkle in time and you go, yeah, this is a person you want to direct the new God's movie.
0: Yeah. And please put Chris Pine in there as somebody. (laughs) I just want, I just want Tom Hanks as dark side. Uh, You know, dark, dark side with a cowboy hat and, um, and a little a little string on the back that you can pull, and he'll say fun things. Um, There's a
1: snake in my boot,
0: and it's Superman. <laughs> he's just he's just, ha- he's just crushing Superman under his foot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the kind of person who thinks Weird Al Yankovic is the best Dark Side ever.
0: And uh, honestly, with all the Dark Sides we've gotten, you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a uh, so, most of the time they just go for too snarly, or God forbid, make him want to fuck Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah, like the idea of Darkseid, and I think it, again it's lost on a lot of modern writers of the character, is he, yeah he's a terrible person he's he's a warlord in a lot of ways, but he's also a man who's like I'm just doing what feels right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, I am dark, I am Darkseid, and I will sit on your chair.
0: Yeah, or like you get kind of the John Darkseid and stuff. He's like I I need to conquer. He's like, nah, it just sounds like a Good Tuesday to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was actually ta- I actually talked about this with a fell Crick rightish babu. Please uh-huh. tell me if I pronounced that wrong. I'm I am gonna, I'm probably going to apologize if I pronounce things wrong. Yeah, um, I'm, the- I
0: mean, uh, I try to pronounce things right myself, and I couldn't tell you for sure if you're pronouncing it right either, so he, he can correct us on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darkseid is very much, uh, he, he brought up, up in a conversation while I was you know, while we were talking about Darkseid, what that there's a human element to the character of Darkseid in the Jack Kirby mm-hmm. run, where you know, he's not just he he very much aspires to be a what everyone says he is. He aspires to be this force that is is not man so much a syndrome. Um, but there's a level of patheticness to him, like like he he there's a moment in uh, Hungry Dogs where he just looks tired.
0: And I and I think that helps paint the argument to that high father is the true bad guy yeah, and then- I, I, I think in the context of
1: mr miracle maybe but i think that's also pushing it a bit too far like like if he's very much not the real bad guy of the new god saga or even mr miracle that's blatantly dark side dark side is very much the bad guy but high father has some high father is very much if you were to look at it from the perspective of a kid who was literally thrown into a tiger's den by his father when he was a baby, yeah, there there's some issues with High Father that he at the very least deserved being punched in the face.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the, the idea is like you're saying Darkseid is trying to live up to everybody's expectations, right? I feel like High Father has bought into everybody's uh, view of him to a certain extent i, I am yeah, my, my my past new gods knowledge isn't all that well it's yeah I, f- I feel like my father forward. for the most part lives up to the hype
1: I, I think that it's just that one moment where he screws up mm-hmm. when you re- when you read the new god saga it's very much it's just one moment where he because throughout the new god saga the, he very much focuses on the importance of our children as the future yeah our children are the mo yeah you know, children are who's gonna be running the world when we're all dead and so it's very much important our legacy is what we teach our children and but he gives up his son unto the devil,
0: yeah to barter what is not pie stable peace,
1: yeah he trades his son for orion like if I was probably gonna be more unsympathetic, I'd probably say that. Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Jarrett screws, does a bit of a disservice to Orion, and like,
0: yeah, I think Orion gets kind of the shaft when it comes to.
1: But Orion, but the thing about Orion is that he's probably the hardest character to write for because you pretty much you're essentially doing someone who who shouldn't be fighting but still is fighting. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like if you reread, I think. I think he's yeah i think he, i think jack kirby at some points I mean, screws up writing orion at times times but i'd probably have to reread new gods to confirm that
0: i i feel like with orion it becomes one of those things where there's some there's some nature inside of you that you always fight against depending on where you come from i feel like dark side is such a presence that i feel like there's something in orion as a character that wants that fight but knows that he doesn't need to because he was raised not to need it.
1: And yet he keeps going for the fight for, throughout. Yeah. And, get, and some writers will screw that up and turn him into Wolverine.
0: Yeah, we're, well, Orion, uh, uh, nec- next to Scott, like, Orion no, and Scott are the two most tragic characters of the new gods when it comes down to it because they are both characters who have a certain nature. And Scott was able to... He, he wasn't he wasn't raised he, he he was he was tortured where orion was raised and so he fights against that nature where scott just knows his nature by heart and goes for it but also it doesn't trust anybody at the same time
1: yeah it's very it, he it, it, scott would probably be a lot happier if yeah if he was he's happier he's happiest on earth yeah earth, earth like he i feel like he He's a bit laid back to belong on New Genesis, and he he's not gonna go back to the health plant that is Apocalypse.
0: And and I feel like if Orion and Scott just went camping for a weekend, uh, they they would come out of that much better, people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd actually I actually be curious what Jack Kirby penned issue, who rang. Rang scot free talking to Orion would look like, yeah that, that sounds like it'd be what the, the greatest thing the new God cycle ever did-'cause
0: it it feels like those two characters are oppositions just because they don't get it they don't they not, not they don't get it, they don't get each other, and like yeah. th- that it's the most pure misunderstanding who each other are to the yeah. point of doom uh yeah and they and they never interact. Yeah, and 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 neither one of them will get put the effort, um, or at least it doesn't seem like either one of them will put up the effort. Yeah, like re
1: reading, like I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I kind of screwed some stuff up. While, yeah, I'm I'm at the point where I'm looking at the book and can only see the flaws in it. Like yeah, one for chapter sure. was supposed to be about how big the annihilation chapter was supposed to be about how big Barda. Look at Mr. Miracle from the perspective of Big Barda, and I ended up turning it into a chapter about how people how people decide that ambiguous endings need to be explained. Mhm. And uh I think one of the main chapters I think I think it was the one on love. I kind of kind of falls a bit flat for me when I reread mm-hmm. it. I just feel like I I don't really get to the point of the chapter. I just meander in a way that I couldn't fix fix with my skills. I feel like I'm a bit too harsh on the yeah, I I feel like I'm a bit too harsh on on the various New Genesis gods. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it feels like I should... I feel like I probably should have reread uh, the New god cycle before... the uh, New god saga, not cycle. Or, uh, before I did the Eds for the book. Looks like it was fresh in my
0: mind and I could have noticed some things. But, I mean, overall, I I personally think the book is if it's not just a great companion piece to mr miracle it's a great piece to read first to help you decide if uh comics are worth reading for you because the examinations and pretty much all the essays i mean there's there's always going to be a few that like just don't connect but i would say a good 90% of every of the book itself like hit me in a certain emotional spot right. or a logical spot that made me go oh man do i do i want to dig through six boxes and find my mr miracle issues and reread them right now <laughs> every yeah. time i read that essay
1: yeah uh, i think the honestly of the essays of the book that i feel is the best i think it's actually the omega men one mm-hmm. I mean, of the ones I wrote, I mean the Andrew Hickey one and the one by Jen Blue were both fantastic and probably better than anything I wrote for the book.
0: And but speaking about your collaborators, how did you approach them to uh, put put essays in there? I pretty much I asked them before I
1: start. I asked them before that I started the Kickstarter if I could make them a stretch goal. I and they said yes, and and they hit the and I hit those stretch goals via. Uh, both on and off of, of Kickstar, and I sent them there, and I paid I paid for them to write for it.
0: And wh- when you uh, pitched it to them, did you give them any specifics or do you like, hey, this is what I'm writing about? you guys uh, f- figure
1: out what you want? For Jen, I asked her for something on Tom King's Batman and did a brief poll on Twitter for the specific run, though I poignantly decided not to give her the Right answer for what she should be writing, which is the poison ivy arc of
0: his Batman run. I was just she, talking about that arc with somebody recently too. Uh, yeah,
1: that's that's just the perfect Jen Blue thing to talk about for a variety of reasons. If you're familiar at all with her her hmm. work, and Andrew, I was a bit vague on just right something about it, but before I finally he decided, okay, you know what? Uh, there's a new Neil Stevenson book called Dodge. Dodge called Fall Dodge or Dodge in Hell L oh, where which seems like it'd be a perfect fit for this it's it's a retelling of Paradise Lost as a cyberpunk book book mm-hmm. okay. and it's 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 amazing and i told him to just write something based off of that and 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 i base and and after a couple months he sent back his essay which is just which is just fucking amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, like the guest essays, like I would, I would, when I first, when I first read it, um, and I read that there was gonna be guest essays in the book, I was like, I wonder if these are gonna feel jarring. <laughs> while I'm like going through it, and it, they all feel natural, like a cohesive voice, um, throughout, right. Throughout the things, so the way like they they write compared to you, you can like you could say that they're better, but. I think overall, though, they capture your voice, too, that you're trying to go for, for the entire narrative, like, the narrative structure of the book, in a way. Yeah, I yeah, I basically,
1: I both put, put them in, I I had to, sometimes I had to restructure where essays were going based off of what was ultimately written. Like, mm-hmm. I originally planned on having the Hickey essay be somewhere else in the book, I think closer to the end, and but then I moved it toward, towards that, where it was, because as yeah you know, it felt right to transition from i um, talking about war to talking about simulations via his essay mm-hmm. and i should note that both of these authors are massive influences on my work
0: yeah and that, that probably w- where it comes to like they feel so like smoothly transitioned in your work too
1: yeah yeah like a, i yeah like uh yeah and then there's yeah, like i and then i pretty much yeah yeah, but going back to the Omega Men, that's probably my favorite essay in the entire – uh, of, the, of the essays that I wrote in the book, that's probably one of my favorites. Uh, it Also probably the one that took the longest to research. Yeah. Uh, basically for that, I had to watch all of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, starting from um, the end of season three to the end of the show, basically.
0: As someone who's still going through that show very slowly, I, I I can appreciate your effort in that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I it, and I also had to read Starship Troopers, which is probably the worst text I read for the entire book.
0: Mm, I can see that.
1: Yeah, like a, yeah, Deep Space Nine is, yeah, like, a, I pretty much. A lot of people say that it's a show about deconstructing the Federation, but in practice, that's only five of the episodes.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like if anything, that shows is um, it's a, it's about conflict in a way I think the other ones aren't, if that makes sense. Like yeah. it's, it's about personal conflict versus ideal conflict of that. I mean, there's episodes where they're definitely fighting over ideals, but it's a lot more like <laughs> I, I just don't agree with you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like, a, but going back to the conversation about Orion, uh, Worf is blatantly and Orion at, as character, like mm, yeah, they're both yeah. from the same archetype. Both were children and raised by cultures that weren't their own, trying to remake themselves. But or, but Worf, I find I find is interesting because he's trying to remake himself based off of the propaganda of his original culture that at the Federation has. So he's mm-hmm. basically. He's basically like a Muslim kid who only knows about his culture through twenty four.
0: Yeah, and I or, and I and I think with War Two, at least in Deep Space Nine, in a lot of ways, he's he's getting the chance to deconstruct that in that show more so than probably he did in a, in, a, uh, in Next Gen. But uh, my I I can't completely do that without putting my foot in my mouth because I haven't seen enough Star Trek to fully say that. But that's how it felt while watching a lot of yeah, that. like a, it. I
1: while watching T N, while watching Deep Space Nine, it felt very much like they were wearing Worf as a Klingon character rather than someone who was raised on stories about Klingons. So, yeah, like yeah, I think they they pretty much, it feels like they bought in. They end up going too far with Worf, or if in that regard, like they it, yeah, and at times they pretty much just go through. There are a lot of bad episodes. So yeah. It's, so it's, yeah, and then yeah, pretty much my thoughts on that era of Deep Space Nine were basically that at, it's telling that the best episode of that show had absolutely nothing to do with the arc whatsoever or anything at all to do with Star Trek uh, uh, Beyond the Farthest Star I think it's called, the, the one where they're in the 50s it's about the golden age of sci-fi
0: Oh, um, I don't even know if I've gotten to that far beyond the, the, th- uh, the two. The two time travel ones I've done are <laughs> where um, where the uh, I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, uh, where o- Odo and um, uh, why can't I, now I'm spacing on all the Star Trek names. And they basically uh, trapped back in the 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 thirties forties. And they're thought to be aliens. From, I mean, they are aliens, but they're like uh, little green men. Oh.
1: oh, yeah, I know that one. I know. That. Yeah, I know and you're and about. the other uh, one is
0: um, where uh, Cisco and um, and Bashir get sent back to our time. Actually, yeah, yeah that's uh, a
1: that's a good episode. That's a good episode. That's a good
0: episode too, and it's a very scary episode to watch while everything's happening around me.
1: Yeah, I very much watched the show before things went to crap.
0: Yeah, so I don't think I've gotten exactly to the the other one though yet, but um, but it's fascinating though that 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 episode is the best one in your opinion. So I'm excited to get to it.
1: Yeah, it's very much yeah. Like uh, conversely, uh, one of the episodes that people would say is the shining moment of Deep Space Nine is up uh, in the pale moonlight, which, which I don't think holds up to be honest. Like, in if you watch it in the context of maybe it works as a, I think it works better as a standalone episode of fiction mm-hmm. than as. As serialized television, in the context of of the rest of the show, because the episode, right, like the core point of the episode is Cisco, wondering if he's doing the right thing. Is he? Yeah. Is he a good man? And but the episode right before it literally has him commit mass, literally use biogenic weapons to commit genocide. Yeah, and literally gleefully declare himself the villain. Let's be bad guys. Like,
0: oh my god, seriously. Yeah, and I guess that maybe is the issue with how the show aired in syndication in some ways, 'cause like watching it with my folks on and off, they talk about how like, yeah, you didn't know you didn't know what episode you were getting at that for a while. Like sometimes random episodes would just go come out of order just because of the way it aired. So maybe maybe it's a victim of that, but yeah, it's yeah,
1: just yeah, but just watching it watching it in order, it's just oh wow.
0: Yeah. Um, when it came to the novel, uh, almost said novel, the, the the book of essays though, what was the surprisingly hardest part of it all? Because like, I know the ha- hard part sometimes people just say is writing it, but like, what was the surprise that that was hard for you? Uh, Probably, us uh, try to make it sound coherent. You know, like a, I'd have
1: all these sources you know, like I, I pretty much got a bunch of sources that I felt like would be relevant to it some some of them were some of them weren't like I got a bunch of not books on Gnosticism that I thought I was gonna do something with in the god chapter but I ended up not using Thinking up other others I end up up using more than I expected mm-hmm. and uh, probably just try and make it sound coherent and just general coherent Make it cohere, like I could write, but uh, why was I writing? What was the end point of this? what What am I trying to say is the thing that I found the hardest? That and also oh, yeah. that and also having to wait six months for the book to be edited.
0: I, I can see that being a thing where you're just kind of sitting on your hands being like, can, can this be done already? <laughs> Actually,
1: hold on let me think uh, October November Eight months
0: um the the idea though that um making things cohesive i, re- I realize when I, when I try to write criticism at all that becomes my issue is like am i making sense i feel like i'm never making sense
1: <laughs> yeah it always helps to it always helps to have someone who isn't you read the book Read the criticism beforehand. You know, like a, that's one of the things I like about working on panel. X panel up. Haas very Haas is very good at going. Okay, what's the main point of this? What are you trying to say with this article, and how can you express that the best way possible? Well, like some like uh, there was a talk I saw recently about the role of editors, and it's not so much that at the editor is always right, but look at the part where they make a comment, and then and Ed be and then try to see what you what, if what's wrong with that moment why are you that moment and ping them off
0: um, moving away from the book for a minute uh, or for a little bit uh, just moving on to some Q A's uh, some questions I wanted to pick your brain on that aren't necessarily about the book but are still about comics and criticism. Uh, one of the questions I was thinking about asking you because it, it, it's something seeing uh, you talk to um, uh, now I'm gonna pronounce the name wrong. Is, ooh, let me I'm gonna try to make sure I do it right before I mess up, and I'm gonna leave this in because I want to make sure that people realize I mess up things all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um. But the, the basically the back and forth between the um the old guard in comics, especially DC, right? And how um, we hold on to a lot of the stuff from the past and it really hinders the stuff that we're writing right now or the people writing right now. I'm curious though, from your perspective, out of all, like during each crisis, right? Cause there's a ton of crises. Um, what are some things you wish we still had though? So like pre-crisis on Infinite Earths, is there something there you wish we still had? Pre-infinite uh, crisis, pre-New Fifty Two,
1: et cetera, et cetera. Okay, uh, uh, like stuff from the superhero genre or stuff in general. Uh,
0: like uh, just stuff in general in the DC mythos.
1: Uh, uh within DC Comics, um, I kind of like when there's more variety, like a, not just a, the sort of same color. Yeah, you know, just variety of styles and influences, like. Like not just the same superhero style uh, house style, but uh yeah like stuff from um off the wall all bonkersness, this to romance comics to easy horror, just Gerald noose, just different things going on on in the same place with different art styles to match what they're trying to do like uh imagine if imagine if you told ah, fuck, darrington uh. Nick Darrington, yeah, Nick Darrington. Yeah, imagine if you told Nick Darrington to be more like uh, Gary Frank.
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that.
1: Right, right. No one wants that. But imagine if none of the comics were allowed to look like Nick Darrington or yeah, or yeah. You know, I I want sort of a variety of styles and tones and whatnot, which I think the era in between in these, the New Fifty Two and the Rebirth got very well. Because mm-hmm. you had stuff like up, uh, you had the Omega Men, you had at the later period of Scott Snyder's Batman, you had uh, Gotham Academy yeah, the e, Doctor Fate, a uh, bunch of other stuff that just look didn't look like like any, any of the other books on the stands.
0: I think late New Fifty Two kind of took a page out of what marvel marvel was doing because at that time i feel like marvel was very much diversifying its art in a lot of those yeah. in a lot of those books but also
1: diversifying its perspectives you know, like because yeah had the, but mm-hmm. you didn't just have the same five white guys writing the books you didn't have dan jurgens doing you had dan jurgens doing batman and beyond because god hates us us, but you didn't have Dan Jurgens doing five different books.
0: Yeah. And so it, and, it ended up, and especially, like, early New 52 is very much like, these are just comics. These are, the, 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 like, these are just, like, the, these are edgy comics. Because, I, I don't know, I feel like DC wanted to capture Vertigo in its main line somehow. Um, and, but by the end of the, yeah, the end of New 52, you had all these small series or uh, just series that maybe didn't get the traction they wanted, yeah. but they were different
1: yeah the late new 52 area is the dcu period is where you had yeah. Yeah, i really wish prez got to its ending like, yeah like i read prez recently and oh my god is that book you want to have 12 issues of
0: i mean and, and, I, and like all those authors too now are doing new rebirth stuff that are super fascinating in a lot of ways whenever they get a yeah. the chance to
1: yeah yeah i really liked exit stage the snagglepuss thing mark russell did uh uh, Tom King was very much
0: Tom King, and I think about like Mark Russell. I think about his uh, one shot with the Riddler. It's like okay, Mark, Mark Russell g- gets what's going on in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, uh, another question, and I know this is kind of a generic question, but it's super fascinating to hear from other people's perspectives. It's like they basically all the comic book companies are like, Sean, you get to write a character. <laughs> you get to write whatever character you want from our Spider Man. Spider-Man but the secondary question is who, which artist do you want to pair up with
1: uh, there are a lot um, I could see Dan Mora would be amazing uh, uh, Tulo Tay I could see some interesting stuff up. Uh, Doc Shaner Sarah Jolie if I got to do the Spider-Man Duck uh, DuckTales crossover that I would <laughs> love to do like I have ideas for Spider-Man DuckTales I have so I, many hey, ideas
0: it's Disney. It can happen,
1: yeah, I have so many ideas, yeah, well, if they let i d w do a if if Marvel gets their heads out of their ass and goes, Hey, wait a minute we we publish comics, we could do friggin in Ducktales, hmm Like, like you know, yeah, just this weird weird crossover adventure where there the tentative tale is who stole Donald Duck's pants, yep. And then there's like I also have this twelve issue Howard the Duck storyline, about where involving time travel and betrayal. up. and yeah, you know, like I also have this, this long arc, arc story that's basically just undoes one more day in the in a way that basically pisses off everyone who wants one more day undone.
0: Perfect. Because like, like, if that if anything it's kind of like the Snyder Cut people it's like okay, yeah here's a here it's still bad
1: <laughs> yeah it's just yeah yeah a lot of combo or gang it my history with organized fandom has very much been uh, they're horrible and I know this and I know I shouldn't say this but they're horrible because I and I know this because I've met them yeah I mean I'm a part of organized fandom and I have been horrible.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you and I, and I get uh, exactly what you're saying with that too I, I don't know how many times I see you guys have to lock your accounts um, yeah.
1: um yeah, I've only had to lock my account out because of a uh, uh, you know for grad school stuff
0: yeah
1: with uh, uh I ha- and I was actually wondering why. yeah you know, I the only time I've gotten in harassed on Twitter is when I've commented when I've gotten into the dust on something like there was this one guy who spent the Basically, all of quarantine up to August is just going after every single post I ever did that talked about Tom King and telling me that, that "Heroes in Crisis" sucked over and over again. Like we don't, and, and we don't need you to tell us that. Well, well, I, I actually find "Heroes in Crisis" to be interesting.
0: I, I think "Heroes in Crisis" is a very fascinating book. I don't. It's think a it hot works. mess. It don't isn't it doesn't work, but it's super fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think it's a hot mess, which makes it good for archaeology.
0: Yeah, and I, and I, and I, not much and I think else. its original pitch is much better than what it was. In, like, at least the way he Tom King was pitching it in interviews before it came out. Uh, how was that? It it was He was basically pitching Heroes in Crisis as a story where characters were just trying to get through therapy. Yeah. I, and, and then like once the solicitations came out, he's like, yeah, it's a murder mystery. I'm like, oh, that's not what I wanted. Yeah, I think yeah. Problem with
1: Tom King is that he's very much an author who does, wait, what sort of deconstructions? Like, like he, yeah, Gail basically, like with Heroes in Crisis, it's wait, we haven't had had a therapy unit for superheroes before this. Yeah, it's like individual superheroes had to go to therapy, and I get what he's doing with it. It's very much a story about, like, when you dig deep and figure out what the story is trying to say it's very impactful and fascinating like it's it's a story about the line uh at what point do you cross the line between being a goody or a baddie yeah and it it answers there is no line you can always come back Mm -hmm. like you can always be a better person you can always heal which has some implications certainly but that's what the story's trying to be it's also trying to be a massive dunk on jeff johns but then a lot of things are a massive dunk on jeff johns nowadays
0: yeah it seems like that's half of the stories that are coming out whenever he starts putting one out um and and the last question i have is how do you what, what what kind of advice would you give someone who's also trying to find their voice in criticism at this moment uh,
1: read stuff that isn't just the stuff you want to do criticism of. Like, uh, uh watch television and shows. Read, read books. Read, read criticism. Uh, uh, just generally get involved into it and know that you're making a work of art. All yeah, okay. Criticism is ultimately another art form, form just diff- with its own rules and expectations that you can subvert or follow. And also, as an artist, you probably deserve to be punched in the face. The question is, how do you get, is the form of the punch in the face going to be a physical punch in the face? Or is it going to be because as you, is it going to be by someone writing a massive piece of satire against you?
0: And with that last question, uh, what... What, what, like other than the book itself, which the book once again is one must imagine Scott Free happy. Well, what else would you like to promote right now and like where can people find you to, to interact with you more?
1: Well, I'm on Twitter at DeathChrist2000. Uh, I'm currently blogging at thekinginredandblue.blogspot.com where I am serializing my a fiction novel, The Tower Through the Trees. I'm also a on Echoes of the Night, a Batman podcast series. He's, and i have my first episode in i think i think sometime late september early october
0: okay and um i know there's uh, other like kickstarter projects and essays that you're working on right now i don't know if you want to get into that cuz there's a lot of those uh, i see being posted yeah. all the time
1: yeah i'm good in halloween i'm going to be doing a series i'm going to be doing a series with Raitish babu on Please, God, tell me I pronounced that right. I am so sorry if I didn't end up. We're going to be doing a series called It's in the Trees on the Devil in 21st Century Fiction. And the only part of that that we've revealed is that it's going to be about Hamble. But there are going to be some comic book aspects to it.
0: And um, other than that, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, if you want to know anything that Sean's doing. I would say follow him on Twitter because, like every every day, I get to see like what what Kickstarter that you're a part of now. That, um, aren't you doing like some Doctor Who essays or somebody right now?
1: Oh no, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be novel. I'm gonna be right. Uh, because another Kickstarter hit a goal. but another Kickstarter hits hit goal. I pretty much said I'd write. I'm gonna be writing a short story on Doc. Uh, I'm gonna be writing two short stories based off of Doctor Who, and right now on my Twitter, I'm. Doing a series of threads on Jeff Johns's is, is a Three Joker series each month. I'll just go through during my first read, eat what jumps out at me and my thoughts on it because of it. Called Jeff Johns is a sex pest.
0: Perfect. And um, for this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Comics Matter Pod. Uh, Facebook, because some people still use Facebook, I guess, at facebook.com slash comic books matter. You can email me at comic books matter at gmail.com. And if you want to have any questions for guests uh, sent in, stories about how comics impacted you that you want read on the show, or want to be a guest on the show for any reason, uh, you can reach me on any of those platforms. If you could also please rate and review uh, wherever you listened and tell a friend, that would be great. Uh, be uh, perfect to get the word around and see if people like the show what they don't like get some feedback um the logo for the show is done by my friend steven the theme is join the restaurant by david zetsi and i found it on freemusicarchive.com and lastly remember be good to each other and black lives matter have a good night and let me